Mary, Virgin Mary, uh, shake the palm and the, the date will get, uh, you will get a red date. We know that red date always comes, uh, uh, red date is uh, a summer fruit. That means uh, the date of birth should be in summertime. Why the Christians celebrate the uh, the the uh, Christmas in the, in the in December I mean in the winter. Well, I I already explained it, you know, brother. Uh, I already pointed out that it had to do with the winter solstice. It had to do with the Saturnalia, you know, the celebration of Saturn, and it had to do also with the celebration of Mithra, the Persian uh, cult, which was popular in Rome and Greece at the time. That winter and the arrival of the sun, the beginning of the of the, the days starting to get longer again, and the winter solace, the twenty fifth of December, this was a time which had always been looked at in ancient times amongst the pagans as being a special time. So this was the date which was chosen to because of its appeal in the hearts of the pagans who Christians were trying to convert they chose that day in order to make it more acceptable, Christianity more acceptable to the pagans who they were calling. Our sister's question, from the Islamic point of view, can, when can we give gifts to a person? Anytime. Anytime. Anytime you feel a desire to give a gift, you give a gift. Uh, in terms of their wedding anniversary, see, once you get into wedding anniversary, then you're back into that yearly celebration, which Islamically it is not allowed. Wedding anniversaries for Muslims is out. So, if you wish, for example, uh, your husband uh, he has done something nice, you give him a gift. You know, you don't have to wait until that time of year. Maybe in between then he's done a lot of things you don't like, so you end up giving him a really, you know, not too nice gift, right? You know, you give him a gift when you feel good. This is a better time to give the gift. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, sir, I understand that uh, Getting involved in any Christmas occasion is uh, forbidden to a, to a Muslim. Now, in our case, there uh, in the school is being and uh, we have a subject like uh, music, vocational arts, wherein we are uh, obliged to get involved with the Christmas occasion. Like for, for instance, uh, making this uh, serenade, caroling, practicing songs in music, and also making projects like lanterns and mm, Christmas trees, cards, for this uh, vocational uh, subject. Now, if we will not uh, do this one, uh, we, are, uh, we might be failed on that subject or uh, given lesser grade. Now, actually, this is not a question. Now, what can you advise, Mister, uh, regarding that as a Muslim? Thank you. Okay, what this is telling us, uh, just for those who couldn't really hear too clearly the question, and I think it's probably better to leave that microphone off. I think it's making more noise on than it is off. Huh? Uh, 
the question of our brother here is um, under circumstances where a Muslim young people may be in schools and um, the school requires you to do certain courses in um, art or whatever and when Christmas time comes around the art teacher wants you to make pictures of you know or statues of or whatever of the things which are associated with Christmas what do we do then? because if the child or the young person doesn't do this then they will get less marks or they may get zero and it will affect their overall grades I would say that one this should make us think that it is necessary for us to set up our own school that's number one of course realistically speaking of course we can't decide today we want to get our own school and we have one tomorrow so it means though we may this is to bring to our minds the need the necessity of setting up our own we still have the practical circumstances of what to do given that uh, reality I would say that if the child, the young person gets a lower mark but maintains their Islamic integrity that's better better for young kids to realize to stand up for what they believe in you know I mean if it means that they're going to be kicked out of the school and being deprived of an education altogether then that's another circumstance under that circumstances for survival purposes they may do as much as is necessary to get through okay as much as is necessary just the minimum necessary to get through but in most cases I don't think they're going to be thrown out of the school and everything else it's just a matter that the grade in that particular subject will be lower but it is better for your child for, for the young person to feel that they would prefer to get a lower grade to please God than to get a higher grade to please themselves and their family it's better for them to grow up with that kind of conviction because what is most important ultimately is the pleasure of God so I would advise you know my son or my daughter you know if the teacher requires this and if you don't do it you're going to get a lower grade then you explain to them that you can't do it because your religion doesn't allow you to do it you will take the lower grade if you try to make some kind of other arrangement if it's possible that they can give something some alternative that there may be something in your religion which is comparable something which you may do decorative or whatever and they can accept that as a substitute then all the much the better and I would suggest too that as a parent you know you should go to the administration of the school and try to speak on behalf of your child young person uh, to give them that kind of support whatever support you can give them but ultimately as I said in the end uh, it is important that you try to stand your ground as long as and as much as you are able Yes, is what I said in the very beginning. Pardon? Yeah, it is, a, it is a part of Muslim faith. Any Muslim who denies that Jesus was born without a father exits from Islam. is not considered a Muslim. Because it is something stated in no uncertain terms in the Quran. 
And for a Muslim, they have to believe in what the Quran says. The person who denies the Quran leaves Islam. There's a chapter in the Quran, if you get a hold of an English translation, chapter called Mary. You know, dedicated to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Take this chapter if you'd like, just not saying, taking what I'm saying, but take it and read it. You will read about the birth of Jesus, the miraculous birth of Jesus. Not only that, but you'll also read that we believe in another miracle concerning Jesus, which even Christians don't uh, know about or believe in. It was that Jesus spoke as a newborn baby in defense of his mother. When the people accused her of fornication or adultery, uh, Jesus defended her, saying that she was not. She was a chaste woman and that he was a prophet of God and confirmed the faith in the one true God. If the government gives a, a holiday, meaning a day you don't have to come into work, it's a day you don't have to come into work. I mean, you don't have to take that now and say, okay, this is my opportunity to go and celebrate with them. No. If you choose to do that, then you have entered into the celebration. But you're taking that day off, you know, as on the weekend. This is uh, something which has been given across the board for anybody in the country. You take the day off. Sure. I mean, there, see, the point is that the, you are working and the company or the institution pays you on the basis of the work that you do. They have chosen to give you some holidays, some days off work on which you are paid. The fact that it coincides with you know, their pagan uh, practices that is neither here nor there to you because you're not taking it for the sake of the practice this is part of the contract that you sign in terms of the work hours wherever the weekend is wherever the holidays are okay Or a Christian. Or from a Christian to a Muslim. Well, the selling of these decorations, of course, this is uh, prohibited. This is not allowed. You know, uh, if, the, if the celebration of Christmas itself is, is, is un-Islamic, un it's not allowed in Islam or really in the true teachings of Jesus, then to be involved in its sale, the sale of the things which support it, etc., this is also prohibited. But one thing remember, right, a point that I think we always try to raise in talks which are given here, is that we don't judge Islam by the people, what we see around us. We judge the people and what we see around us by Islam. You understand? We don't judge Islam by the people, what people do. We say, well, uh, people do this, you know, that means Islam allows it. No. We judge the people by Islam. Does Islam allow it? No. Then the people who are doing it are bad. They're wrong. They're in sin. You understand? This is a general principle that we have to 
stick by it because people sometimes very easily get off into thinking well because it is done here or it is done there or we've seen this done or people do this that it means that it is allowable in Islam but that's not how it works there was another sister had her hand up there in the back yes yes go ahead Uh, this is what I mentioned in the beginning. It's an old English word, you know, which was first used in the 11th century, 1,000 years after the time of Jesus. In old English, it was Christ. It was uh, Christes Massi, and this, which meant Christ Mass. Mass, you know, this prayer uh, in the Catholic Church is called Mass. From this, putting this together. You wanted to ask a question? Here? Yeah, you stop. You, yeah, you here. You're turning around. Did you put your hand up? Here? Oh, okay. Did you ask a question before? Okay, I want to take somebody who didn't ask a question before. Well, now, uh, you know, I don't think this is really the place to identify these, but there is a, you know, religious committee, and um, if people would like to know some listing of some of the better books that could be, could be read, then we could arrange to identify those books for people who need to know them. But surely what you said, that it is very important, you know, for uh, new Muslims and Muslims who consider themselves born Muslims, uh, to take whatever opportunity they have, wherever they are, to learn more about the religion. Wherever they are, it is important for them to seek out knowledge. Because there is never a time that we have too much knowledge. We always will be lacking. And it's the duty, as the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu has said, seeking knowledge, talabul ilm, faridah ala kulli muslim. Seeking knowledge is compulsory for every muslim. This is a continuous process until a person dies. We've never learned enough. So it is important to seek out those people who have knowledge. As Allah says in the Quran also, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلِ الْذِكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask those who know if you don't know. It's your duty. And try to get books. Of course, your foundational books are the Quran and the Sunnah, the, the books of Hadith, the statements, wherein the statements and practices of the Prophet have been collected. These are the main two sources of our Islamic knowledge. It's important that we have these and read from these on a daily basis, you know, with groups of people by ourselves, you know, to strengthen our foundation in Islam. Sure. Truly. It's for all mankind. 
Well, the question was, was Jesus Christ a Muslim or a Christian? Uh, I would say Jesus was a Muslim. A Muslim being one who submits his will or her will to the will of God. And this is what Jesus spoke of many times as he's quoted in the the uh, New Testament is saying it is not as I will but as the Father wills and so many times he spoke and taught people thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven you know always speaking of the will of God and submitting to the will of God so I would say that Jesus based on that meaning of Islam that it fundamentally means submission to the will of God that he was a Muslim and he would not be considered a Christian in the sense that a Christian supposedly means a follower of Christ. Uh, to varying degrees, I would say that Christianity, you know, when we're saying, because she said, was he a Christian or was he a Muslim? Um, a Christian is one who fundamentally follows the teachings of Paul. I mean, if you go back historically just to look and say, really, what is Christianity made up of? It is basically the teachings of Paul. It's not the way of Jesus. Because, for example, Jesus didn't eat pork. Jesus did not eat pork. Well, as I said, this is what Jesus taught, right? But whether we can call that Christianity, is Christianity submission to the will of God? No, I would say Christianity is the teachings of Paul as he interpreted. Yes, Islam is following the teachings of Muhammad which teach that we should submit ourselves to the will of God. Whereas Paul does not Paul is the one, or one of the people, one of the first people who call to the worship of Jesus, to the cancelling of the laws which Jesus said he came to confirm, not to break. Paul is the one who cancelled these laws. And this is, what, this is why when they look at the, the founder of Christianity, the scholars of the West identify Paul as the founder of Christianity. The most significant figure in Christianity. Because when we look at, just look at it this way, Sunday, Sunday is the day of worship of Christians in general. Jesus did not choose Sunday as the day of worship. Jesus worshipped on the Sabbath, right? And this is why the early Christians, they were called Judeo-Christians, because they still maintained the practices of Judaism which were confirmed by Jesus but then as Christianity was reinterpreted by Paul and it was absorbed into the Roman Empire it became something else it was no longer what Jesus taught what his early disciples followed it became something else and this is why you have the split I mean why you have uh, Catholicism and Protestantism, I mean, a major split in approach. And this is also why you have people praying to Jesus. The majority of Christians pray to Jesus.
Okay, you pray to God through Jesus. Or you pray to Jesus. No, we don't. No. That is totally prohibited. One who prays to Allah, who prays to God through Muhammad, has deviated. This is prohibited in the revelation. See, the point is that Jesus' way... <laughs> yeah, I know this is a common misunderstanding. It's good you brought it up. Because people commonly uh, misunderstand thinking that Muslims actually pray through Muhammad, but this is prohibited. The uh, Muslim has to pray to God directly, as Jesus himself did. Jesus prayed to God, Muhammad prayed to God, all of the prophets prayed to God, and they all taught their followers to pray to God. I'm not that familiar with the uh, church history to identify the exact point in time where they appeared as an institution. This is true. Well, as I said, I could not identify the historical point, but, you know, the point our brother here is raising is that uh, early Christians, the church as we know it today, I mean, specifically, really, Catholicism, and, and what exists within Catholicism, and this is the oldest church, this was not known by the early followers of Jesus. Alaykum salam. Well, the identification of saints, this has been something, you know, in the Roman Catholic Church, really, they're the ones who carried on the tradition of the saints. Uh, popes or councils would appoint certain individuals who either had some apparently miraculous uh, things take place around them, circumstances which are unusual or supernatural, uh, commonly many of the saints were what they call astigmatics they had you know at certain times in the year like around Easter you know their blood would appear in the palm of their hands and so and they would be identified as being saints and some of the reasons why people were chosen as saints but you know many times the saints were fictitious individuals like the classical case of uh, Saint Christopher you know Saint Christopher who had been uh, worshipped as the patron saint for travelers for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years you know, just back in the 70s, you know, the uh, Pope uh, announced that, guess what, uh, St. Christopher didn't really exist. So please cross him off the list of saints.
apparently miraculous uh, things take place around them, circumstances which are unusual or supernatural. Uh, commonly, many of the saints were what they call astigmatics. They had, you know, at certain times in the year, like around Easter, you know, their blood would appear in the palm of their hands and so, and they would be identified as being saints. It's some of the reasons why people were chosen as saints. But, you know, many times the saints were fictitious individuals, like the classical case of uh, Saint Christopher. You know, Saint Christopher, who had been uh, worshipped as the patron saint for travelers for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, just back in the 70s, you know, the uh, Pope uh, announced that, guess what, uh, Saint Christopher didn't really exist, so please cross him off the list of saints. Uh, you know, this was, so the whole issue of saints is really something of human choosing, you know, for one reason or another. And the saints become intermediaries between the person and God. People pray to saints. They may pray through saints to God or they may pray directly to saints. You know, when you listen to people who, you know, they're praying to St. Jude or whatever, they're praying directly. Do this for me, do that for me. Help me find this and that. They're praying directly. And when people call on Jesus, most Christians will call on Jesus himself. Jesus, help me. And they call on Jesus Christ. They're calling on God, Jesus. They're believing that Jesus is God to help them. Not all, but most. Most. In terms of the doctrine, most. You find um, individual people, you know, you find, I've met many people from different backgrounds who have rejected the idea that Jesus is God. But according to Christianity, in terms of its doctrine, that is a principal uh, foundation of Christianity. A person who does not recognize Jesus as being not only the Son of God, but as being the third uh, manifestation of God, of the Trinity, being God himself, one who rejects that, according to Christian theologians, rejects Christianity. They're outside of Christianity. But, I mean, I know that, but in spite of that, I know there are many people, I've met many people who consider themselves to be good Christians, etc., and they don't believe that uh, Jesus actually is God. But I said, there's, not, there's that discrepancy between personal conviction and the actual doctrine of the church. And this is why, you know, there's a number of people I know also who have left the church because of these type of things, because it's not been answered for them. The doctrines which are being promoted are really, in fact, you know, against what they feel in themselves, both logically as well as from what they understood from Scripture. Well, you know, this is the human ability to see things in different ways. You know, that is, nobody is going to discount that. That's not even in religion, that's in everything. I mean, you working in the hospital, you know, even in whatever field you're in, you, you and somebody else may look at this thing and interpret it different ways. I mean, that's just human. But, See, when we're coming to the foundations of the faith, there are some areas where no difference is allowed. In Islam, there are areas where differences are allowed. Like, how I like to wear my kind of clothes. You know, Islam says that when a man wears a garment, that it should not expose his private parts. This is the basic. In other words, it shouldn't be see-through shouldn't be too tight or too short, too small to expose his privacy. So now, how I decide to fulfill that commandment is on me. I prefer to wear this kind, somebody else wears a shirt and pants, you know, that's variety. And that variety is welcome in Islam. But now when we come to God, 
there is no variety in terms of God being all-knowing, God being different from man, God's attributes being unique to him, man's attributes unique to man. I mean, these are areas that don't allow for any difference. If you differ on that, then you break away from Islam. Prayer, five times a day. This is compulsory. This is not something that I dreamt up or somebody ten years ago or a hundred years ago dreamt up. This was stated by the Prophet that every Muslim is required to pray five times per day. That any Muslim who denies, who says, I do not believe that it is compulsory for me to pray five times a day, I have my own interpretation that person has left Islam. There's no interpretation there. A person may be lazy, they didn't get up for the early morning prayer because they stayed up real late at night or they're too lazy, whatever. That is their own personal practice. There may be weaknesses, variations in personal practice, but in terms of what is required, paying zakah. 2.5% of your surplus wealth as a Muslim must be given to the poor. This doesn't allow for any interpretation. It's clear. Now, how you give that 2.5%? Whether you look at the people in your immediate neighborhood, is there anybody who is poor? Or you look at an institution which, you know, is doing something, a charitable institution, and you give it to the institution. Or however you do it, now this is where the variation is allowed. It's welcome. You can do it whichever way you feel is most appropriate. But you have to do it. Fasting in the month of Ramadan. The 30 days fast. There's no... Uh, interpretations that are allowed here it is compulsory on every Muslim male and female who is able as long as you are physically able you know then you've got to fast and that's if you've reached also the age of puberty under the age of puberty it's optional a young child if they want to fast they want to join whatever but as long as you're over the age of puberty that is compulsory so I'm saying that in that way in the religion there are certain areas which are very clear which don't allow for any interpretation which form the foundation of the religion. When that is applied in, in the 24-hour daily life of the individual, there are areas which allow for the variations in opinions and uh, preferences of human beings. See, and, and I think, you know, if you look at um, the difference in terms of interpretations, right, you look in terms of Christianity and the difference in interpretation, what we see, what is the result of difference of interpretation of Christianity? In America, in terms of Christianity and the difference in interpretation, what we see, what is the result of difference of interpretation of Christianity? In America, every corner you go on, you can find some preacher there, a minister, he has his own flock with his interpretation. So you have no end, no end of, of religion, thousands of different little sects. Everybody has his own little interpretation. And not only that, but you got people claiming they're prophets. A bunch of them. You see, you know, and, and there are people following them. You know, people play, claiming they're God. You know, Father Divine, I don't know if you know about Father Divine, but he had over a million people in America believing he was God. You know, uh, Jim Jones. He had 900 of his followers went down to Guyana and they all committed suicide. I mean, you've got no the interpretations, different interpretations, because there is no solid foundation. Those differences in interpretations lead to splintering. Whereas in Islam, the differences in interpretations are limited to a certain area. You're not allowed to have differences in, in, in the foundation. Once you go to a difference in the foundation, then you have split off from Islam. But they don't have their own uh, ministry. 
They're the head of a little flock and all the people subscribe to their views. They're broken off, they're separate from the others. I mean, you may have individuals who may apply something uh, beyond the bounds that it's required to be applied or whatever. That is individual, uh, you could say, individual practice. And as I said, this might be too little, where a person may not pray as they should pray, or maybe too much in the sense of a person going overboard in areas that they shouldn't really be going overboard in. But this is not now a new religion. You see what I'm saying? These differences are, as I said, are limited. There are people to say, to judge that. That person, either they're not praying or they're going to some extremes in some action that they're doing. This can be judged. There is a way to judge it. We can bring it back to Quran and to the Sunnah and can be identified. Is this correct or incorrect? Whereas when that other preacher, you know, when he sets up his own thing, there's nobody to say he is right or he's wrong. This is his own interpretation. He's, he, I'm not saying that you have, but I'm just saying at the same time, what has happened is that you have thousands and thousands and thousands of people who do that. I'm not saying everybody who does that ends up there, but you have, because there are no clear guidelines, then it also allows for many people to make up their own religion. You have same thing in the Philippines, you have new people coming up with new religions every day. They have a new religion. You have this uh, glyph and the crystal showed up in one time. And same thing in America, you know, you have the, um, you know, uh, seven days, the Mormons, you know, the, you know, every, you know, you have no end of them. Anyway, um, uh, we've been given the T sign here, uh, which means... Uh, Okay, brother, you know, but on one hand you're saying something, then on the other hand you're contradicting yourself. Because on one hand, wait, wait a minute, brother. On one hand, you're saying that the comparative prophets were all converts to Islam. You know, okay, but... Well, you see, when we're saying that the person is a convert to Islam, I mean, one thing we have to be careful of, brother, is we don't want to get into here splitting over over terminologies here now. If we say this person is a convert to Islam, we're informing the audience that this person has something unique to themselves, something to offer. Okay? It, what we're saying, what we can say is that to say a person is a convert to Islam, to imply that this person is in any way inferior to a person who was born in a Muslim family, this is incorrect. But to say this person converted to Islam uh, or reverted to Islam, you know, or became a Muslim, you know, this is something I don't think you really need to take up so strongly. I mean, if it is your own personal conviction, then don't use it. 
but at the same time I would say please don't tell other people who you are using it and wish to use it in a positive light and not in a negative light hmm? okay inshallah just uh, I'll turn it over to my brother Zaid here to uh, finish things off and thank you Assalamualaikum on behalf of the National Guard Medical Services Kingfile Hospital in particular the Religious Affairs Committee of the National Guard we want to thank all of you to tonight's dialogue. I'm sorry we have to cut it short, but you know, this is going for two hours and our brother has to have some rest. I think the main, main thing we want to say is that Islam is the religion that is a frame of reference, as my brother has been saying, which asks you to think. It asks you to use your mind. Uh, we say as Muslims, we're all born here with the same purpose, the, pers- with the purpose to worship and submit ourselves to one supreme God. And that's the meaning of the word Muslim. And our orientation is Islam. If we said anything to offend anyone, we never meant that. Our main thing was to give you our viewpoint. As my brother said, we don't have the right to change it. Regardless of all the differences you may hear in the news media in the West or now on satellite TV here, Islam is very coherent and it is very, very consistent. And we hope that you will take the opportunity in the future to come to future meetings like this. We have information, some books up here, I think, and uh, we also have the names of individuals who can help you to find out more information if you're interested. There's no compulsion in religion, there's no compulsion in this, but if you do have an inquiring mind, you are interested in more, we'll try to find you someone. As regards what's available now with refreshments in the more practical part of the program, we're asking first that the women go out to the hall here and take their food and then come back to the Zoom. And when the women are done, then the men are to go out to the hall and take the after the women. So uh, women would get up now and go to the food, and men stay here for a little bit. Uh, okay. okay, and if there are any other questions or issues, uh, there are going to be some television programs on the topic of Christmas and New Year's coming up on Islamic Journal. That'd be, that's Tuesday at 7 o'clock. And then uh, there will be some newspaper articles read daily about these topics. Uh, just for other information sources for you. Thank you again for your time and your patience. Bye. While the ladies go out for the food, if the men have any more questions of my brother or anyone and anything, you can continue. Do you want? I'm sorry to post. Okay. I'll. Invite them to Islam. This is practical. You know what happens? What happens? You see, inviting to Islam doesn't mean that every time you see them, you tell them you have to be a Muslim. You have to be a Muslim. No, inviting to Islam has many, many different ways. You might invite them over to your house. You might have a movie, you know, which is about Islam, something like that. You show it, you know. Uh, you may um, go with them on a picnic with some other families and that, and use it as an op- opportunity. You know. Yeah, you know, uh, your own practice, you're dealing with them in an honest way, 
in a kind way, in a just way. I mean, this is all part of Dawah. Dawah encompasses all of it, right? So, I mean, don't feel that the only way that we can express friendship is, you know, through joining them in their celebrations and giving them cards and giving them gifts. Their right is to receive the word of Allah. That is the fundamental right. And that is the most important. Everything else is, is, is uh, inconsequential. And they have a right in terms of practicing their own religion as long as it is not, you know, uh, propagated in the society. They can like to do it on their own in their homes or whatever. They have that right. But uh, the right that they have from us is fundamentally to convey the message of Islam to them. And any of us who does not do that is a sinner. And that's the point that we should be very concerned about. That we find ourselves in circumstances where we are sitting or we're working with non-Muslims and we are not conveying to them Islam. I think one thing, one thing is that we are all ambassadors of Islam by default, whether or not we like it. By our actions, Islam may be judged. Now, to those people from the West who don't know anything about Islam, the only thing they would have which to base Islam is on our actions. But I tell them in retrospect, what if I were Muslim and you're, say, in the West, and I watch about Northern Ireland on television, but I assume that Christianity permits killing and, you know, bombing and maiming and all that. I said, no, you know, we're not that, it's not that simple not to do that. But unfortunately for them, they don't have a frame of reference because there isn't much information. But when you're in the company, you know, Westerners have a taboo about talking about details of religion. You don't ask them if they pray directly because many get upset. But I think the key thing is, by our acts, we have to be especially careful in their presence to have appropriate actions and not to, uh, to, to, to do things wrong because I said they may come to the wrong conclusion. Not only are we punished for what we did wrong, but for having given them the bad impression of what we have done. But uh, I, I think that the key thing is every good deed is charity. You can talk a lot about Islam without using words which have very negative meanings to the Westerner. The words Muslim and Islam have been slandered and have very negative impressions. But you can, you can just by saying, well, I'm not going to say good morning to you, I'm going to say peace. How are you going to get mad at me about that? You might say the morning's not good, but you can't be upset at me if I say peace to you, or that even a smile can be dirty. You can find ways around to introduce some Islamic concepts and make them receptive slowly. It takes a long time. But I think the key thing is, you know, we have to persevere and be careful what we do in their presence. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألف لام تنزيل الكتاب لا ريب فيه من رب العالمين أم يقولون افتراه بل هو الحق من ربك لتنذر قوما ما أتاهم من نذير لتنذر قوما ما أتاهم من نذير قبلك لعلهم يهتدون الله الذي خلق السماوات والأرض وما بينهما في ستة أيام ثم استوى على العرش ما لكم من دونه من ولي ولا شفيع أفلا تتذكرون يدبر الأمر من السماء إلى الأرض ثم يعرج إليه ثم يعرج إليه في يوم كان مقداره ألف سنة مما تعدون 
ذلك عالم الغيب والشهادة العزيز الرحيم الذي أحسن كل شيء خلقه وبدأ خلق الإنسان من طين ثم جعل نسله من سلالة من ماء مهين ثم سواه ونفق فيه من روحه وجعل لكم السمع والأبصار وجعل لكم السمع والأبصار والأفئدة قليلا ما تشكرون وقالوا أئذا ضللنا في الأرض إنا لفي خلق جديد بل هم بلقاء ربهم كافرون قل يتوفاكم ملك الموت الذي يوكن بكم ثم إلى ربكم ترجعون قل يتوفاكم ملك الموت الذي وكن بكم ثم إلى ربكم ترجعون ولو ترى إذ المجرمون ناكسوا روسهم عند ربهم ولو ترى إذ المجرمون ناكسوا روسهم عند ربهم ربنا أبصرنا وسمعنا فرجعنا ربنا أبصرنا وسمعنا فرجعنا نعمل صالحا إنا موقنون ولو شئنا لآتينا كل نفس هداها ولو شئنا لآتينا كل نفس هداها ولكن حق القول مني لأملأن جهنم ولكن حق القول مني لأملأن جهنم من الجنة والناس أجمعين فذوقوا بما نسيتم لقاء يومكم هذا إنا نسيناكم ونوقوا عذاب الخلد بما كنتم تعملون إنما يؤمن بآياتنا الذين إذا ذكروا بها خروا سجادا إنما يؤمن بآياتنا الذين إذا ذكروا بها خروا سجادا خروا سجدا وسبحوا بحمد ربهم وهم لا يستكبرون تتجافى جنوبهم عن المضاجع يدعون ربهم خوفا وطمعا يدعون ربهم خوفا وطمعا ومما رزقناهم ينفقون فلا تعلم نفسا ما أخفي لهم من قرة أعين جزاء بما كانوا يعملون 